Hello, everyone. This is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesaling Magazine, welcoming you to our latest EW Executive Insights podcast. We'll be joined today by Gary Ewan, the founder of the McKinnon Bookout Partners at Merchant and Acquisition Advisory Firm, an electrical industry executive who has had years of experience in merchant acquisitions. We'll be talking with Gary today about the merchant acquisition climate in today's electrical wholesaling industry. And during the podcast, Gary will also be offering some ideas for executives who may be considering buying or selling a business in the electrical market. Gary, why don't you start off by telling us a bit about your background in the electrical market? I know it includes years of experience with industry heavyweights like Adcor, Tyco, and Legrand. Thanks, Jim, uh, and good morning. Uh, good morning, everyone that's listening. Yeah, so, so you know, look, I'm, a, I'm a, I guess, a 35-plus-year veteran of the electrical industry, starting out working as an electrician early in my career, then, re- then, then I guess, going back to school, and then progressively working with a number of different electrical products businesses. I mean, most of my career has been running small, medium-sized electrical electrical products businesses in Australia, in Asia, in Europe, even in the Middle East and in the US. You know, by connectivity, it feels like I was... I was always destined to be in this industry. You know, my my uncle was uh, who was very close to me was was in fact actually a uh, a trainer at, at electrical utility at major electrical utility. So I, uh-huh. you know, as a kid, I remember seeing insulators laying around the backyard and playing. With <laughs> Instead of having building blocks, I had uh, I had uh, glass <laughs> insulators. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's quite a background. It's funny how we come to our our present jobs of that. My uh, well, that's right. I, I, I mean, you start yeah. out to be you start out thinking you're going to be one thing or do yeah. one thing, and then just you know, um, which is really what really the journey for me from uh, yeah. you know, as you said, working with uh, you know companies, uh, you know, as a CEO, uh, you know, when I was working for Legrand in Australia, I acquired. Yeah the number two Australian wiring device business, a company called HPM, and that substantially mm-hmm. changed that business there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I joined Unistrut. That's, that was my entry into the Tyco electrical metal price uh, yeah. group. I ran Unistrut in, in uh, Asia, I guess, Asia Pacific. In, uh, I was then relocated up to Europe just prior to, uh, just prior to, in fact, Tyco selling the, uh, the Tyco Electrical Metal Products business, which then became Adcor, you know, so I was based up in in in, in uh, Birmingham and uh, had businesses in in France and the Middle East, and you know, a factory in in uh, Australia and a factory in New Zealand. You know, you founded McKinnon Bookout Partners to help business owners in the electrical industrial markets with their succession planning, perhaps provide growth capital. What convinced you to once again come back and into the electrical market and focus your efforts here? Well, two things. One, uh, one, I love the electrical industry. Um, you know, it's 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 kind of my foundation. It's you know right, right, right through my career. It's it. I've never been very far from the electrical industry. Why the U.S.? I, I mean, I love the U.S. Uh, you know, it's 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 a it's one of the great countries of opportunity. And you know, as well from my time heading up corporate development and strategy at Atcor, I it, I had the the sense that there was still a lot of work still to be done. This is still a very fragmented industry. You know, there are a lot of great businesses uh, and great people working in them that that maybe don't have clear views of what succession looks like for their business. Yeah, two-part question here. How is the electrical market like some of the other industries you've worked in? And on the flip side, how is it different? I think in many ways, you know, the the structure of the channels is very similar. I mean, you know, and I guess I'm 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 narrowing that down a bit, Jim, and talking about similar industries, so like plumbing and HVAC and you know, areas where where you've got you've got really a trade installer and you've got 
got a distribution channel and you've got, you know, a company that's a manufacturer. You know, I think there's a lot of similarities between those different industries. I think all of those industries are wrestling with what does what does the future look like in terms of, you know, what's digital going to do to our business? What 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 are the you know the really big players like Amazon gonna what damage are they gonna create? What havoc are they gonna wreak? So I think there's you know there's the same sort of challenges across those like businesses. You know, it's such a unique uh, economic environment right now. We've got the yeah. Russian the war in Ukraine, you know, in inflation, a learning impact of COVID. How does this environment play to people in the M&A market right now? It's, it's quite different yeah, than anything yeah. I've really seen in over the years. Well, it, it, it yeah, it is. I mean, it, I mean, you can see you can see it most visibly in the public market, and you can see it in interest rates. The last clearly, the last couple of years uh, in the U, I'll say the U.S., but really in most markets, mergers and acquisitions have been very active. You know, there's a, there's a, a lot of as 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 people refer to a lot of dry powder sitting on the sideline. There's been a lot of private equity groups that that have sold. Assets while the prices, you know, have been very high in the market over the last couple of years. You know, 20, 2021 was uh, was a you know was a huge year for everybody. I mean, everyone that I speak to, you know, whether they're private equity groups, whether they're investment banks, or whether they're business owners, you know, it's just it's just very evident that the market is very strong. Now, to your question, what does uh, what does you know what's happening in the world? How does it ultimately affect mergers and acquisitions? I think there's a lot of confidence in the U.S. marketplace, right? So there's a, I think globally, I think there's a there's a, a sense of, of, of um, you know this being a place to invest, which is one thing that brings money into the you know back into the marketplace. I think clearly there's you know what we've learned is there's a need to do more manufacturing you know in this country rather than relying on supply chains, and I think you know that plus growth in infrastructure that needs to be built that is going to be built across the country really means that there's there's um you know there's there's a lot of fiscal activity in the marketplace which is usually a stimulus for for people who look at buying businesses to to see the value in buying them you know, do you see any trends emerging right now in this environment as far as a size of company type of acquisition yeah. whether it's a bolt-on is there any yeah, regionality look, um, I, I, th- I think a lot of the a lot of the M and A that's taken place has been, yeah. you know, I'd say in the me- in the medium to larger organisations, and I mean, and you you can look back at that over a couple of years. I mean, you can see you can see that trend. I think the other trend that's apparent is you know a lot of the larger diversified electrical businesses, and you know, like I'll just throw out some names, but you know, like an Emerson for argument's sake, I think it's not hard to see that. The, or, or GE a couple of years ago, you can see that they're really, you know, diversifying and getting back to sticking to the knitting, if you like, in terms of mm-hmm. in terms of what they're doing with their organization. You know, when you when you talk with folks that are entering the entering the uh, the process, yeah. what are yeah. some of the most common questions that they have for you? Usually, usually the first one is is, is trying to understand what's my business worth. You know, which is which is which is usually the first question, and that's that's really quite a compli- complicated answer. I mean, you know, lots of people have heard of you know a friend or somebody who sold a business and they've got you know X multiple, and that's generally how people think about valuations of businesses is a multiple times a you know a EBITDA of the business. You know, and and there's a lot of factors that come into play. How secure that sector of an industry might be from from competition. You know what's what's their economic outlook look like, and, and frankly, even the size of the business. You know, it, it's it's easy to the, the simple analogy I always use is a, 
you know, a coffee shop is with with one owner and two people working at it is always going to be worth less than, you know, a, a multinational company. And, you know, that's a continuum between those two points. You know, I, when you, there's, as you mentioned, there's other people involved in this. And you've, you've had a ton of experience, you know, and I just was in preparation for our chat today. I was looking at all the acquisitions in the AtCore Alloy Tube family. I mean, if, if someone wrote, Someday wrote a history of the electrical market yeah, and right. the acquisition. There's just amazing some of the names and some of the some of the right. things you've well, probably well, seen is having well, played. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jim. Um, yeah, yeah, we did a lot of work. You know, look, yeah. it's a great team running the business now, and they've yeah. done some great stuff in in the recent times. But I mean, you know, we, we really inherited a business from Tyco. It had a lot of bits and pieces in it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the Tyco electrical metal yeah. products business and. You know, I think I think we did a great job of you know of, of, of really building that portfolio out, and, and probably also you know I think also in life, the things that you choose not to have or the things that you choose not to do are almost as important. And I think you know our mission, our strategy from the start was to build a, a good solid electrical products business, and that meant that we had to buy some good businesses, and we did. It also meant that we had to you know to exit some businesses that that weren't necessarily sympathetic to that strategy that we were trying to execute. So I think, you know, in in the time that I was there, I think all over, we did about 23, you know, pretty meaningful transactions, as well as a, a, you know, refinancing an IPO, and then, you know, finally helping our private equity sponsor, our private equity sponsor, you know, leave the business. So it was, it was a great, a great deal of fun. I'm going to put it that way. It's yeah. a great, great deal of hard work yeah. by a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I'm sure with coming in contact with executives, owners, you know, a lot of folks that have really built these companies up from the scratch. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the one thing I've always found fascinating about the electrical market is the passion some of these entrepreneurs oh, have, yeah. have for their businesses. I, totally, I, totally. I, one example I pull out just in the, the, the portfolio there is after I got to know the folks at AFC Cable and there was a, right. a yes, guy by right. the name of Jim Dollins yeah. there for many years. And I never met yeah. a guy who was more passionate about armored yeah. cable than Jim right. Dollins. But there's many other examples, many of the areas, but I always remember he loved armored cable. And I, I think yeah. you, you must find those people in oh, all kinds oh, of totally. all and, and, groups. And look, I, I, love, I love those people because I'm one of them as well. You know, <laughs> um, you know, not, not necessarily armored cable, but, yeah. but you know, electrical products. You've had all this experience, dozens of acquisitions, you know, throughout, yeah. throughout the business. How, have you, how are you taking that experience that you've had and trying to, reposition uh, or to position McKinnon Bookout Partners to offer this yeah. new new service. How was it going to differentiate? How will it be different from yeah. what else? Yeah. Is- well, it's, it, I think it's different. So, you know, so so what am I not? Uh, I mean, I'm not a private equity group. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not I'm not an I'm not an investment bank or a broker or a family office. What I'm really trying to do is is to help owners of businesses look at the the opportunities they have available to them. And frankly, that could be re- helping them refinance differently. It could be it could be helping them find the right private equity partner, or it could be helping them find you know a strategic partner. And I think the I'm fortunate through over the years that I that I do know a lot of high level individuals in each of those different areas: private equity, investment banks, and and strategics. Uh, strategics, many of course, other electrical products businesses. You know, really, it's and I, and I don't I don't charge for advice. So this is not a this is not a fee for a service business. I mean, ultimately, I guess what am I? Uh, you know, I'm an investor. You know, I'm I'm looking to invest in these businesses. If you know where 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 it makes sense for me to be, able, if I can add some value in helping that, and and maybe investing with a private equity group. Yeah, I'm sure each client uh, 
is different, but is there any kind of a typical roadmap that you uh, these companies yeah. follow as they go through the process? It, 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 it is as varied as 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 the individual. It starts with a it starts with an understanding of need, right? And, and that is that that's the individual need of of the the business. You know, do they do they you know do they have a next generation of succession in their business? And if they don't, um, you know, how do they how do they protect the legacy that they've built in their business over oftentimes generations? I mean, been times in the past where. You know, I've been involved in buying businesses where it was the third generation, but there wasn't going to be a fourth generation. Mm-hmm. So, what what does that mean? And that can that can be um, yeah, that can, that can be daunting for people to sort of work that through and to overcome how you do that. And I think, look, what a lot of people don't realize is there are lots of opportunities. And I'll just say private equity, for example, right? Private equity doesn't necessarily want to be a 100% owner in the business, right? They, 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 in fact, they more often than not would prefer the individual that's built the business to remain with the business for, for their lifetime of ownership, which could be, you know, any period of time, three, five years. So uh, there's a there's a, often a very real opportunity for, you know, for the founder or the owner of the business to actually co-invest with a, you know, remain invested in the business with a private e- equity group and to get the resources they need to build the great business that, you know, to build a great business greater, if I can put it that way. In other words, get that extra facility, get the, put on that new new warehouse in California, whatever, you know, buy this piece of plant and equipment. In other words, the enable the growth of the business. Are there yeah. any other maybe mistakes or surprises that you've seen executives confront when they're in the middle of the process? Right. Look, I, I think it, I think it, there's many. The best way is is to get the right advice up front. Talking talking to um, you know to friends uh, is useful, and and but you know. Even friends that have sold businesses is uh, is is a useful thing, but in reality, you know that they're they're probably recounting a one-time story with with a one to, with a one with maybe one guy that wanted to buy the business. Not it's not necessarily the norm. I think I think sitting down and and really understanding what a process could look like and and preparedness of the the company that wants to sell is also a big factor in these things. Do you have your books up to date? You know, often getting an external, depending on the size of the business, getting an external, what they call a quality of earnings done can make the process a lot faster. In other words, basically doing, paying someone a quality of earnings is paying somebody to come in and actually look at your accounts and normalize normalize certain things that might go to leave it up. But that's the other thing that's important as well. Mm-hmm. Companies don't often realize, especially small businesses, there's often things that, you know, I talked about valuations being even at times multiple. Oftentimes there's things in the business, right? Expenses that are in the business that aren't necessarily reoccurring. Finding the right partner, you know, is is um, finding a patient partner that, you know, if you're a small business and you don't have those things. But, it, you know, I would say that the, the roadblock is usually the preparedness of the seller more so than anything else. If it's clean, if the business is clean, you know, meaning that 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 someone a buyer can see very clearly what the business is doing. That's that's it could usually be a quite a quick process. I mean, the stages are pretty simple. There's a there's an early stage where you're getting to know you know each each other. There's a, there's a you know an early transactional stage where you know you're going to exchange things like a non-disclosure agreement and and you're going to provide more additional information to the potential buyer. Then there's a you know a commitment of exclusivity for the buyer to do some work on the business to understand it more deeply and do that without having to worry about somebody else jumping in. And then there's a contractual period where you're agreeing the terms of an agreement. 
and then there's the you know the clothes. So the, the the steps are um, the steps are fairly clean, but inevitably uh, you know time and um, and you know com- and real commitment to getting things done can be a factor. You know, yeah. it, it, we're seeing a lot more, or currently uh, we're seeing some very small distributors. We're seeing a lot of reps too that are you know, small sure. company in the market yeah. where. Geez, a lot of times it might come down to some individual relationships and maybe it's kind of an intangible. Uh, do you find that clients ever have trouble that uh, or do they try the I don't know if you say oversell, but just to, do they overestimate or underestimate the value when you're valuating business and saying this, yeah. uh, the personal relate, the personal side? I don't know how you put a value on that, but do you are there any tips on that or? Well, I, I think I think, um, I, you know, the, the answer there is. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes and no. I mean, yeah. look, look. Certainly, the the thing that the thing that any investor is going to be thinking about is the sustainability of the business. In other, in other words, like you know, the methodology is, uh, if you like, looking backwards. You know, looking at the last twelve months of, of earnings, mm-hmm. but importantly, looking at what the and interpreting that as to what can happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Now, if 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 you know, if somebody is looking, to, if the key guy is looking to exit the business, mm-hmm. you know, I guess there'd be some question as to whether, um, you know, that that result can reoccur in the future, whether it's sustainable in the future without that person in the business, and and you know how would, that would probably affect valuation. You know, if it's a if it's infrastructure build out and and construction of rehousing businesses into new facilities, especially in the microchip sector, I think is going to be you know present a lot of opportunities for everybody that makes. All products. I mean, I think as a macro trend, I mean, technology is is here to stay. It's it, it's a little bit varied. You know, I guess strategic buyers have a little bit of the opportunity that they do typically carry a larger synergy case. They're buying a, a direct competitor as an easy example. If if one player is buying another competitor, they can probably reasonably go well. We can we can consolidate some costs here. We can we can you know take more products to these branches. Are you seeing any product areas where you think it might be you might see more activity? Uh, one area I've seen a lot personally certainly is in the lighting business. And it's a very, yeah, very yeah, tech heavy with LED, the transition to LEDs, the lighting yeah. controls. There's been a lot of activity. Uh, where do you see that going? And are there any other product areas that you think going forward that you may see kind of a, a more activity? I think there's going to be a lot of activity across the board. I mean, like I think in this, even in the simple if you like installation type products, I think, I mean, because of those unusual dynamics that are present in the market right now with, you know, it's not, it's not going away. So I think we're going to see more technology and more products as time goes by, which, which I think is, which is a challenge for the electrician, you know, frankly, uh, you know, I was part of a survey in another, in another market, you know, and what came back from contractors was often their um, often the uh, their clients, in other words, the building owners or or even the house owner, knows more about the technology that's available to go into their building than they do. Um, so there's a there's an educational gap where where we're going to say engineers or others are seeing these fresh technologies that save money and save time, and they're, they're sort of challenging the um, electrical contractor. You know, why can't we put in this control system? And they're oh, hold on a second, I need to step back and go. And, you know, understand that a bit better. You know, I, I think there's technology and building design as well, which is which is having a bearing on on the industry. So really, really technology in general. And I think, dare I say it, there's always the the threat opportunity of digital on business to business, you know, transactions. And I think, uh, you know, and I, and I think as well, we're seeing 
that probably increasing over time as a younger generation of electrician comes into the driving seat of those businesses. Have you seen any uh, trends in companies that are becoming available on on the job site for uh, time-saving products for electricians with all that you mentioned, the macro trends, certainly one that we're seeing across the industry, contract catchers can't find the right people. Some people retiring, they need more people. And so manufacturers are trying to come up with uh, products that can do the job more safely, quicker, more profitably. There, you see, I know one example of a company that's rolled up a couple for sure is Southwire. They built around their, yes, uh, their wiring cable products with some of the installation tools. Do you see that as something uh, going forward that might be an, an active area? I, I think certainly. I mean, the whole area of prefabrication, I mean, that, yeah. it's an unsolved problem. I mean, we're, you know, I was looking at that space very, very closely at, at Apco, not surprisingly, mm-hmm. you know, with all the oh, products. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. You know, yes. Like, yeah. And, and, and it's the challenge of how you actually make that happen, you know, and, and I think, you know, and I met with a lot of large contractors that were, you know, with, as I walked down their corridor to meet them in their boardroom, there's, they've got aisles of guys sitting behind computers doing do digital designs for buildings because that's required, that's what's required of them for a large building. Question to them is like, what value does it, that deliver you after you win that project? And the answer is not much because I've then got to go back and break all those, you know, those drawings down to to an ordering a bundle of conduit. So, so there's, I, I mean, I, I like to think somewhere there's, there's, a, there's a bigger play, a bigger opportunity to build sort of an end-to-end solution for contractors where they can get value out of their design work and prefabrication can be done in a meaningful way. But it has to come. Yeah. It has to come. Yeah. We have a uh, regionally based business here, Faith Technologies. And one of the things they use as a contractor, one of the ways they differentiate what they do is they have a very large, almost an electrical factory of sorts, where they do a lot yeah. of pre-assemblies yeah. in a mm. controlled environment. They, they do yeah, anything totally. from... Mm. Very, I'm sure very often many uh, Aqua type of products that they might be assembly, mm. but but they're doing everything from building houses for the job size. They may be they're yeah. doing some generators, some power for actually crypto farms. I know is one of the right, things. So right, they're really right. taking it along. You know that whole pre-assembly prefabrication yeah, is a very right, totally. interesting trend. So yeah, yeah, I've seen that in Europe as well. You know, yeah. it's, like in the UK, it's yeah. it's it's reasonably common actually for. Mm. For, for services contractors to be grouped to be for one one company to have several different services yeah. and to actually build in in-house modules of services that they crane onto a job site particularly where there's large uh, corridors in hospitals you know they'll 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 load in a frame fully loaded with air conditioning pipes electrical systems plumbing and just swing it in and bolt it together so oh. very interesting area of the business uh, Gary I've enjoyed chatting with you today I I like to ask you know as you're you know, looking forward to, you know, into the industry and as you're looking forward to your yeah. how you're going to go for, forward in the business, if you had a, a room full of potential clients for the business and you could somehow rope them all together, had a chance to chat right. with them about how yeah. you're how they're, how you're different, what you could provide, yeah. what would you like to tell them? Look, I, I think it's I think it's simply the fact that I'm I'm from the industry. Yeah. You know, I, I understand it from the tools. You know, I've, I've been part of some global organizations. I've had senior executive roles. I've, um, you know, I've, I've uh, sat, at, sat at board tables as we've made large decisions. But at the end of the day, I think that's the difference is that, is that I, can, I, can, I can communicate 
you know, the value of, of a business to financial organizations, but I, I can also relate to a business that the guy's working in that's a $40 million business. I, I, I know that. Yeah, Gary, I wish you luck with your new venture to make Kinnon Book Out Partners. I appreciate the time you're spending with our listeners today. That's thank a you. pleasure. I thank you very much and uh, have a good day. Thanks, Jim. I hope you enjoyed our podcast with Gary Yarn of McKinnon Bookout Partners. To learn more about Gary's take on mergers and acquisitions in today's electrical market, be sure to check out his two-part feature article in the May, June, and July, August print issues of Electrical Wholesaling. The article, called Selling Your Business, is also available in its entirety on the Electrical Wholesaling website, www.ewweb.com. You can get in touch with Gary by email at g-u-o-r-e at mckpbp.com or by phone at 708-897-4279. Thanks for listening.